The idea behind it is you can play golf anytime, day or night, rain or shine, and it doesn't matter your skill set because we're going to be able to train you. We're going to be able to allow you to go out and play with your buddies, your friends, your coworkers, bring your clients because it's real golf. Some people said, oh, hey, is it putt-putt on steroids? No, it's not putt-putt on steroids. This is golf. This is par two golf. It's patent pending. The idea behind it is I want to golf. You want to golf. You want to golf with your friends. You need to go to a place, but golf courses are closed. So this gives you an opportunity to go into an arena and play golf. 10 to 30 yard holes so that you're literally playing golf, but it's your short game. So not only can you play an 18 hole round, you can play it quicker, which means if you have to get to work or you've got something to do, you have time to play. Welcome to season nine of the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, thanks very much for joining us and please subscribe to the show so you'll hear all about upcoming episodes and you can enter our latest golf product giveaway. Before we get started, I wanted to thank one of our supporting partners, Golf Genius Software, for helping us bring you this episode. Golf Genius Software powers tournament management of thousands of private clubs, public courses, resorts, and golf associations all over the world. So if you're a golf course operator who wants to do less work, have more fun, and generate more revenue, check them out online at golfgenius.com. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Kathy Erickson, creator and owner of The Short Game Place. The Short Game Place is the place where all persons, including persons with disabilities, will have a place to learn, improve, or just enjoy the fun of golf at whatever level they desire and gather in a safe, family-friendly place. So with that introduction, Kathy, thanks so much for joining us today and welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. Well, thank you, Colin. I appreciate it. What a great introduction. There we go. Well, you've earned it. That's what you do. So you you and I found each other through LinkedIn and I was looking yeah. at months ago, what you're doing is like, okay, I have to meet this woman. She's uh, doing some awesome things in the entrepreneurship space. And we jumped on a call last week and it's like, yeah, okay. let's do this. Yeah. And yeah. I, I cannot wait to share your story with our listeners Aww. today here, Kathy. So, so to get started here, Kathy, yeah. why don't you tell people perhaps a little bit of a backstory uh, leading up to uh, where you are now with the short game place. But what was your original connection to golf? And really, as we dig into what the why is and why you're doing all the good things that you're doing. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in golf. Okay. So golf has been a passion now for the last, say, 39 years. Oh, gosh, I'm aging myself. I don't know if I should have done that, but that's okay. It's all good. It's all good. Um, I met my husband right out of high school. He taught me how to play golf. He said, if we're going to date, we're going to play golf. I'm like, all right. So he taught me how to play golf. And what a joyful game it was to start with. Ultra frustrating. Just, oh my gosh, really? Why do you want me to play this game? This is awful. And then I hit that one shot, one shot. Oh my goodness. I was hooked for life. And then of course we got married and now it's costing him because now I want to play golf all the time. Yeah. So I'm getting better. I need my own clubs. I need clubs that are fitted to me. I don't I don't want these cheap clubs that you bought me. No, no, no. So it got to be something that every time we went on a vacation, any day off that we could get, we would play golf because we both loved it. We would do tournaments with work. When we moved out to Dallas in 1992, we were creating tournaments for his company. 
And so I was involved with that. And just every time I had an opportunity to play golf, I played golf. I even played golf without him, which started to be cool because I was actually able to then say, yes, I'm a golfer. I can golf on my own. I don't need my husband. So when we moved here in 92, the biggest problems that we had was if we wanted to play on our day off, we had to pray that it didn't rain. Right. That was really the biggest key. Retail people do not have an opportunity to play golf during work days or sometimes on their days off because it's either raining or, of course, they have something to do. And then if it's after five o'clock, in most cases, golf courses are closing down because there's either an hour left or maybe three hours at the most of sunlight left. So you really can't get in a full game. So timing became an issue and we were less able to play golf. When we were up in Chicago, which is where I met him, we could only play golf like six months out of the year. So there was all these things that kept us from doing what we truly wanted to do. So in 1992, I decided I've got to figure this out. And so I did. I said, all right, we got to put this indoors. He's like, yeah, good luck with that. I said, yeah, we got to do this. Put it indoors. And then the biggest problem was I would have had to build a football field in order to do it, a football arena. And we would have had to charge people $300 to play a game of golf. That wasn't going to work. The other piece was the indoor turf was terrible. So it took until 2016. And that's when the designers started getting these, hey, you know what? We could do this. And now I can have 40-foot ceilings on an arena over nine holes of golf, a short game course, without needing any posts. So that took care of that problem right there. And then 2017 was about the first year, I believe, that any professional golfer would even step on indoor turf to even practice their golf. And so it was at that moment that it was like, okay, now I've come into my own. I can now make this happen because now technology's caught up. From that moment, I started working heavily on it. And then my husband passed away. It'll be three years tomorrow. It'll be three years that he passed away. So I was creating this so that he could play golf and I could play golf with him anytime we wanted to. Well, now I'm going to do it for him, of course. January 1st of 2019, I quit my job to do this full time to open this. I've got architectural drawings. I've got 3D renderings now. And so now we're ready to go. I'm fundraising now. So that's where we are. Thank you for for the backstory there. And I know we have this other little thing called uh, a global pandemic and COVID <laughs> layered in with putting things on hold for you. But mm-hmm. the great news is, I think you know, Kathy, that, that I don't just work in the golf and the sport innovation side, but in the entrepreneurship side and tech and across many sectors. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that has been realized is during a recession or during difficult or tumultuous times, that's when innovation really takes leaps forward. You look right. at even 2008, 2009, that's when Airbnb and a lot of the social media platforms and Uber all came about. Those That right. was kind of the gestation period of, uh, of those times. Exactly. And, and the other thing I love about what you're doing too, as an entrepreneur, the patience you're showing. Once again, I'm going to be aging you a little bit here, but uh, <laughs> that's almost 30 years ago. That's so it's about right. timing. One thing I've learned, I remember watching a TED Talk video on entrepreneurship and it's one investor. He actually had these five different categories of 
what it is you're doing, the team you have, the financing, and also the timing and found the success of all the investments. And these are over hundreds and hundreds of investments that timing was the main thing. And I I love Mm -hmm. the timing here of what you're doing. Now, of course, the validation of Topgolf and other golf entertainment facilities and other putting experiences also that it sounds like uh, the timing for the short game place is very good as you're ramping up here for the next couple of years. It is. And COVID, everybody thought COVID was going to tank golf, but they saw in 2020, their revenues just skyrocket. People started, we're going to play golf. And they actually made profits. The golf club manufacturing companies, the retail establishments, they showed profits. Top golf, all the new entertainment, golf sports entertainment made money last year. And that people are wanting to play golf and they're finding out that it's not just for a small select group of individuals, it's for everybody. And so COVID did that, but I'm excited to carry on with it. Yeah, well, golf is built for social distancing. It's naturally baked in. It's compared to, mm-hmm. you know, playing three and three basketball or whatever else, right? Where you're touching yeah. and each other and sweating all over each other. It doesn't work right now. So uh, so golf doesn't have that. So we've got an advantage to that. So, so hey, let's pretend now, let's close our eyes and pretend we're on Shark Tank right now. And maybe I'm an investor just asking questions here. Give us your pitch for the short game place and also run us through the experiential journey of what it is like if I show up with my friends and family to the short game place and don't know what to expect. So tell us what it is you are creating. Okay. So in a nutshell, it's indoor golf. The idea behind it is you can play golf day or night, rain or shine, indoors. It's real golf. You'll come with your two or three clubs. You'll need a putter and your favorite chipping wedge either a sand wedge, a pitching wedge, or both, uh, whatever you choose. But the idea behind it is you can play golf anytime, day or night, rain or shine. And it doesn't matter your skill set because we're going to be able to train you. We're going to be able to allow you to go out and play with your buddies, your friends, your coworkers, bring your clients because it's real golf. Some people said, oh, hey, is it putt-putt on steroids? No, it's not putt-putt on steroids. This is golf. This is par two golf. It's patent pending. I actually created part two golf and it is in process of the utility patent right now. So the idea behind it is I want to golf. You want to golf. You want to golf with your friends. You need to go to a place, but golf courses are closed. So this gives you an opportunity to go into an arena and play golf. Now, how does that work? It's indoors. So you enter hole one. Each hole is a room. But when you get in, you're not looking at it as I'm in a room. You're looking out around and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm outside because each room is designed and created as if you are outside. The walls are 10 to 20 feet high with netting that goes up to 40 feet. So errant balls can't hit you from anybody else. So there's a real big safety factor there is that we keep errant balls because you're in such a smaller confined area. I mean, you're out on a golf course and you're getting hit by balls anyway. So this you don't have to worry about that. The lighting, it's created and designed to where we can change and alter it. So if you want to feel like you're playing in the morning light or you're going to be doing a tournament in the afternoon, we can change the lighting for you so you can get that environment going. Because everybody knows that when you're playing golf at noon, the sun is right above your head and there's no shadows. But when you're playing at four or five o'clock in the afternoon, the shadows that are created across the green really change how you play so we can control lighting. 
The other piece of it is if you're out at a driving range or say you're at Top Golf or you're just practicing at home on your indoor practicing facility or you're at a, a facility that allows you to play golf from a certain spot, everything is flat. No matter what you're using or if it's a simulator, no matter what it is, you're hitting off of a flat piece of turf. Now at the short game place, you're hitting off could be on a four foot high berm out of four inch rough. You could be in a four foot deep bunker, hitting, chipping up out of it over water and the water's real. So you have environmental elements that you get when you're outside playing golf. So it's not putt-putt on steroids. It's real golf. It's Mm -hmm. 10 to 30 yard holes so that you're literally playing golf, but it's your short game. So not only can you play an 18-hole round, you can play it quicker, which means if you have to get to work or you've got something to do, you have time to play. It's indoors in a climate-controlled facility, which means you're not getting hot and sweaty and sticky. It's not raining. You're not going to go have to go home and change. It's that environment. So we're looking at nine holes then, and the average, and Mia mentioned this, maybe I just missed this, but the average hole length is between 20 and 50 yards, give or take, or run, run us through that a, a little okay, bit. Okay, so it's 18 holes. Okay. We started with a nine-hole course, but then decided to go ahead and go with a full 18, just to make it that part two experience, and everybody likes to play 18 holes, so we went 18 holes. And they average 10 to 30, Got 10 it. to okay. 30s. When you're approached to the green and you've overshot the green, it's usually between 10 and 30 yards that you're either too far to the right, you're in the trees, you're in a bunker off to the left, or you're in the water and you now you're at the 20-yard drop zone, 20 yards from the green. That's why it's 10 to 30. Now, when we put these outside later on down the line and we decide to create our outdoor short courses, these will then be 100 yards or less, the course. Gotcha. So right now, 10 to 30 yards. don't remember the exact stat in my mind right now, but it's something like 60% of all golf shots we take on a regular 18-hole full-distance course. Something like 60% of them are within 40 yards of the green. So that includes putting, 40 yards and in. in. Mm -hmm. As golfers also, uh, and men are the worst for this, of course, they'll go to a driving range and pull out driver and just bang a bucket of 100 balls out and go home. Rather than, why don't you focus on the part that actually uh, shaves strokes off your game? And that is the chipping, pitching, and all of those skills and developing that touch around the green. Most people don't do that. So you're creating this environment that people can improve while they're having fun. What a thing. Look, there you go. (laughs) Exactly. You can go to a golf course and you can practice your putting and you can practice your chipping, but you really don't have that real world experience. Like I overshot the green and I'm on a berm and I'm halfway up, right? So now what you have to do is you have to scoop under the ball, get it to pop up over your left shoulder from a hill. The way you're standing is not conducive to a normal stance. Well, you can't get that at a driving range. I mean, even if you were to practice just your irons at a driving range or at the golf course, you just don't have the ability to actually have these opportunities. And in some cases, well, I'll tell you this, Tiger, when he practices, he practices out of pine straw, right? He practices his short game in all these different odd situations because if you hit an errant shot, that's what you're going to have. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, we consider those the most fun opportunities. Nice. So one of the other things I love about what you're doing here, and this is the inclusion piece, and I know this comes from your 
personal situation also is making sure that as far as barrier-free design, that disabled persons can then access and play on this. So you can tell us a little more about that and why you're so passionate about making sure that this is truly accessible for everyone. Okay, so this is a universal design arena, and it is the first of its kind. I have a universal design team, and each one of them has either a disability or they work with people with certain disabilities. And the idea is, is if I'm in a wheelchair and I come into your establishment and it was raining and nasty outside, whatever I had rolled in, I'm tracking it through your building. So I didn't know anything about this, but they're telling me these things. And they also said that wheelchairs can't roll in wet. So I have to make sure that the floors don't have any kind of issues with water in the areas. So there's all these things that I didn't even really know about. But the idea was I want to have people who could not play golf on a regular golf course or even possibly go to the driving range because most of the time the driving range, you've got to haul a set of clubs up there and there's hills and there's valleys and there's mud sometimes if it's been raining. They don't have sidewalks up to it. In some cases, it's just a big field that they put a big giant net around it and said, here, hit a bucket of balls. So people that have different disabilities or different abilities. I've been introduced to the new differing abilities versus disabilities. I may not be able to hear, but I can see better than you can, right? I have different things that I'm better at than you would even think about. People who can't see, they can hear better. So their differing abilities is what people are talking about now instead of just saying they're disabled. So now we're looking at people and going, okay, so now you have this really unique ability and it's diverse from other people. And the way you get around and the way you can go play golf is you'll use a wheelchair and a shorter club. So now what I found out is they have what's called adaptive golf. Adaptive means that they've already figured out how to create golf clubs for persons in wheelchairs or people who are on walkers or people who have trouble shuffling, taking full strides in their walk because they can only shuffle and stuff like that. So there's all these different things, one-arm golfers, one-leg golfers that I didn't even know existed. And it's a great community. And all I was trying to do is create an environment where I could go play with one of my friends who has muscular dystrophy or something and is in a wheelchair or a veteran that's been disabled. And I want them to have a place where they can come and play golf. And this has actually become much bigger than I had ever hoped. Yeah, I was going to say that the potential there is, is huge. And it sounds like now you are plugged in to that community. I've had the honor of knowing quite a few amazing people representing that community with the Mod Golf podcast over the last couple of years. Uh, Gianna Rojas, for example, oh, aka yeah. with the one-handed lady golfer. She's, uh, she's, yeah. she's amazing. Uh, obviously, we weren't at the PGA show. It was virtually this year, Very but cool. I've met with her as part of her sessions also and spoke with her and had her on the podcast, as I mentioned. So the work that mm-hmm. she's doing, I've also had another guest, good friend of mine here in Vancouver and had her on the podcast last year, Tanel Bolt, who is paralyzed from the chest down, Mm -hmm. so in a wheelchair. And she has a device called a paragolfer, which actually hydraulically raises her up so she can get in the the position to actually hit a ball. 
So uh, amazing. So we're doing our part here with the Mod Golf yes. Podcast to yes. certainly raise awareness across all platforms, however people identify. And it's interesting also as far as how people are identifying now. I read a piece, you just mentioned it too, is people with abilities or different abilities. And I just read mm-hmm. the other day, a lot of entrepreneurs that have different abilities and they like to identify as disabled entrepreneurs or disabled people rather than an entrepreneur with disabilities because that kind of flips it around as if then mm-hmm. it's a problem rather than it becomes part of who they are. Exactly. Right. So I know you touched exactly. on the use the word ability, but even there, it's like they're identifying as I'm a disabled blank, whatever right. that is. And that's right. and they're comfortable with that. And that seems to be the way it. it goes. It's interesting. Just trying to be as respectful as possible to get the the words right as far as how to identify people within the community properly. Absolutely. It also gives them an identity. So when people come out and they're out in public and say they're at the golf course, people don't look at them and go, Why are they here? You know what I'm saying? Because it, mm-hmm. it's, people don't give them that ability in their head that they could actually play golf. So this gives them an identity. And most of the people in Gianna who spoke at the virtual PGA show, she spoke on how the parents would tell the children, don't look, don't look, don't stare. And she's like, well, you just took away my identity because of that. 100%. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like you are looking to reinforce and celebrate their identity I with the, the, the short game place. Yes. And I love this. Uh, and you also have, as far as your revenue model, if we want to flip over to the business side of this okay. thing, you're not just making money like you would or, or generating revenue, I should say, as a golf course would be with green fees of what people pay to play 18 holes of par 36 golf over an hour and a half or two hours. That it sounds like you understand that hospitality side too, to have people stick around and then gather either before and after with the restaurant and having that food and beverage piece too. So it sounds like you've got that figured out too, right? Absolutely. Yes. The chip shop bar and grill. And the idea is that when I first learned how to golf, we would play nine holes and then we would go into the bar and grill and we would have lunch and then we would go play the back nine. They don't do that anymore because they have so many people wanting to play. You have five minutes to run to the restroom and grab a hot dog and then get back out on the 10th tee. So the idea is, okay, so let's meet before or we can bring drinks out to them on the course while they're playing. But because you can play 18 holes in three hours, you can literally eat before or after and it's not messing up your timeline. So we want to be able to be there for them when when they're ready to eat under normal times. And the other piece about it is because we're open 24 hours a day, we will also be able to feed dinner to the second and third shifters. Right. Right. So you get off work at 11 or you get off work at one and it's dinner time, but nobody's open. So we'll be able to to be there. We won't have drinks, of course, after 2 p.m., depending on, you know, what date we're in and what their liquor laws are. But for the most part, if you want to drink after work and you want to come over, as long as we have it, we will. But we will have food for them. Nice. Nice. So from what I understand, the stage you're at now, you've got the architectural designs in place now. You've raised some money. You're looking for that next raise in order to build your first facility. And you're looking to build that in Texas, I believe. And this would have to be a a new build. You wouldn't be refurbishing an existing place because you talked earlier that you need to have clear span with no columns interrupting that you're going to be bouncing golf balls off of that you need to have the space as clear as possible. So tell us about that a little bit of where you are and what you're looking to do over the next 12 months with the short game place. 
we're at the point where right now we're raising money to show the uh, SBA that, yes, we have people interested. So we're going to do some pre-groundbreaking sales. I'm going to sell a six-pack, six rounds of golf, or a 12-pack, 12 rounds of golf. So you'll be able to buy a six-pack or a 12-pack for either $200 or $400, or buy two of them or buy 10 of them and give them away because it's not just for an individual, right? So the six-pack you can play with five other friends. It's a full 18-hole round of par two golf at the short game place. And we're going to raise money with that. And we look to raise about $2.5 million with that from selling it to people who are going to play there in the North Texas area before we break ground. That gives us the ability to go to the SBA and say, hey, look, we've got not only do we have people ready to play who are going to be playing when we open because they've already bought their tee times. We have a following. People like the idea. And so the SBA has a program where if you can prove and you've got the right people in your advisory group, they'll fund you with an SBA small business loan. So that's what I'm looking to do. Unless somebody comes along and goes, hey, Kathy, don't worry about that. I want to come and be your partner. I'm going to give you this much money and stuff like that. And you can give me some equity and hey, let's make it happen. (laughs) Right, right. Well, that's a possibility too. But I like this other approach here. And it also, it's great that you are doing pre-sales, I guess is the best way to say it, that it provides customer and market validation because then people are signing up already. You have real customers that are excited about what you are doing. Because believe me, I work with entrepreneurs all the time and involved in a lot of pitch nights and pitch competitions. And everybody over glamorizes and over romanticizes the whole shark tank type of thing. I think that's the only way that entrepreneurship in startups and small business and early growth works. It's like, well, well, no, if you can find something called customers and generate something called revenue, guess what? You're going to look even sexier and more appealing to those investors. It's uh, I right. use the analogy. It's like going to the high school dance. If you're sitting in the corner, feels sorry for yourself rather than <laughs> the person that's got five other people chatting you up and wanting to dance with you. I guess right. who's going to look more appealing? So I no, like your approach right. here. I love that. Yeah. There we go. So I love the approach you're, you're taking here. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I think that's really great. So let me ask you this. Of course, you've got the experience, the 18 holes, par 36, that traditional throughput of golf. Mm -hmm. But let's say I really want to work on my sand game, or let's say I want to do a corporate outing with half a dozen or 10 people. Do you have other rooms or places we can go, or maybe even with a short game coach, other spaces rent out for an hour or two hours that you can generate revenue? Do you have that too? We do, yes. And we have three training rooms. Two of them are 30-yard training rooms, and one of them is a 10-yard training room. And they come fully loaded. They have all the whistles and bangs of the video and where you can validate your swing or you can say, you know what, we just shot this video here and your swing needs a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But they come with the same inner workings as all our other holes. So you have the real bunkers with the sand. There won't be any water in there, but we will have trees and bushes and stuff where you can shoot over to the green. And then the greens will be undulating to where they'll roll off into a bunker. The idea being is to get real world training experience. You want to do real world training, not just off of a little mat, but off of something that's undulating, the green moves. And so we have a 10 yard and two 30 yard holes. The two 30-yard holes will be able to actually open the walls up between the two, and we have a nice size meeting space where you can have company outings, you can do events, we'll have tournaments and leagues, and you can rent these rooms. And so if you're a trainer, 
or an instructor and you're certified, we are going to vet everybody that comes into the place and says that they teach golf because we want to make sure they're teaching properly and using our facilities. But we also have our PGA room where they will do everything from the PGA aspect of it. So you'll have your professional PGA expert there. They will evaluate your swing. They'll fit you for golf clubs. They'll do anything and everything they can. The second piece of that is we have our golf solution system where we have certified body mechanics. And what they do is your professional instructor will say, okay, now you really need your arm needs to go back a little bit farther, but you can't do that. So what he'll do is he'll write up like a little script and he'll send it over to our GSS. You'll make an appointment with them and they will do the physical therapy work to get you to where you can take a full swing properly. So the idea behind that is that you will not only play better, but you'll physically be better in playing. So we have that as well. So there's there's training. The idea behind it is you get trained there, you get to play there, you get to hone your skills. And the one thing I forgot to mention is there are six different pin placements for each hole. So today you may be playing the 30 yard through the trees and the pin may be in the back right. Next week, it may be in the front left. So every time you play a game, it's not the same game. And for each hole, there are two starting points. You may start in the four-foot deep bunker today, and then next week you may start in the four-inch rough. So you have opportunities to change up your game. So it'll never be the same thing. I, lo- I love that. It's in part of this inclusion piece. And you want to encourage people that have never played the game before that are non-golfers as of yet, or maybe even lapsed golfers. That's We, we talk about this mm-hmm. on the podcast quite a bit with the business methodology, Blue Ocean Strategy. And we've had the co-author, Professor Renee Morbon, bone on the podcast before and you're doing just this unlocking those customers those potential users those people that just either reject or refuse golf for all the reasons you've touched on already as you know it takes Mm -hmm. too long it's raining outside it's dark it's too far away it's too expensive it gets me excited that one of the things especially (laughs) with kids especially ones that are financially disadvantaged that they've got that opportunity then if you wanted to actually open this up and have them come in as part of a collaboration you have with some of the local schools and have them come in and it's their first golf experience and having Mm -hmm. some fun and perhaps setting up the tee placement so it is a little bit easier for them so they don't get as we know a lot of people leave the game because it's hard and it's frustrating right so it's all about having fun at whatever level you're at that's right that's right no it, it, it is and it's so many people that i know that used to play golf that don't play anymore because it takes too long it takes too much out of them i just can't play a par three anymore because i can't walk it or i'm out all day in the sun and they just can't play golf anymore but if they were indoors playing 18 holes of a par two course wow right think of the senior citizens in the senior community who are going to go back to golf because now they have a place they can go back and play there's a big percent of people that fit that mold right there Hmm. Absolutely. So, so to finish up here, what size of venue are you looking for? Do you need like twenty thousand square feet, thirty thousand square feet? What are you looking to build here? <laughs> this is about an eighty-one thousand square foot. Eighty-one thousand square feet. Eighty-one thousand okay. square feet. We're looking at four, four and a half acres. Is what? Gotcha. How it'll start? Gotcha. All right. All right. Well, hey, I can keep talking forever because I get we got this <laughs> entrepreneurial connection going here, and I'm getting really excited. But I do want to hold off to ask some other questions on our YouTube conversation. Yeah. So you and I are going to jump on a video call and anybody listening to this, we encourage you to become a viewer 
also. Like I said, yes, we're going to kind of switch things up here and have a, a short conversation there on our Mod Golf YouTube channel. I will include the link, of course, in the show notes. So as we finish up here, Kathy, why don't you tell our listeners where they can go to learn more about the short game place? Okay, so we have lots of places for you to go depending on uh, what your style is. So LinkedIn is the short game place. Facebook, you can go to the short game place. Or if you just want to go to the shortgameplace.com and you can go right to the website. So there's three real big, robust places for you to go. Or you can just connect with me on Facebook or on LinkedIn. Nice, nice. Well, I will include, as I always do in the show notes for this episode, all of those links to connect with you. I'll also be creating a bio page for you. So I'll have those connections also to make it nice and easy for our listeners to connect with you and learn more about the short game place. And hey, if there's uh, anybody out there with a couple million dollars burning in their pocket there that love this and the revenue model, I can see it already. And this could scale, right? This could, it's (laughs) not just going to be for North Texas. This could be all over the US, could be all over the world without question. I've got people already asking me, can I buy a franchise right now? Like, sure. So yeah, we're ready. Love it. Good stuff. All right, we'll leave it at that. Kathy Erickson, creator and owner of The Short Game Place. It's been amazing. Thanks for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Thank you, Paul, and I appreciate it greatly. And I thank you for allowing me to share my story with your viewers and your listeners. It is my pleasure. All right, you be safe. You take care. We'll talk soon. Thank you. So that'll do it for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kathy Erickson, creator and owner of The Short Game Place. If you'd like to learn more about Kathy and what she's planning to build in North Texas, please visit our episode page where we've included website links and contact information. The video link for my extended conversation with Kathy is also on the episode show page. And please subscribe to our Mod Golf YouTube channel while you're there. If you leave a comment, I promise to respond. Please join me next time when my guest is Mike Yagley, Vice President of Innovation and Artificial Intelligence with Cobra Puma Golf, as he shares the vision, design process, and strategic partnerships that led to the creation of the world's first 3D printed putter. I'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor partners, Golf Genius Software and British Columbia Golf, for helping make the Mod Golf podcast happen. Without their support, I wouldn't be able to bring you these engaging stories from golf's brightest innovators and influencers. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more compelling episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen in. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks so much for joining me. Bye for now.